0: Hi, this is Donna Otto. Welcome to Modern Homemakers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad you're joining us. This is one of my very favorite kind of shows to do. I guess it's an indication that I'm not very deep, but I'm very broad. (laughs) I love learning about current things and what's going on and where it's going on and new books. And um, I'm not much about loving TV these days, course, Netflix. What did we do before we had Netflix and could watch a series? As you've heard, if you've listened to the first opening of this um, end of summer, fall podcasting, I had a total knee replacement. I absolutely find it amazing. I am sitting at my desk right now and I have my knee bent. And inside is my new knee, a cobalt knee that just, they cut open my leg and they dropped it right in. And a robot made all the incisions. And and eight weeks later, I am walking three miles. It is just amazing to me. And my knee had caused me so much trouble. So love new things. When my doctor said, the robot will cut your leg. I went, oh, I wanted to be awake just enough to see it. So I watched the procedure, at least till it got really gory. But the robot does it without mistake. And the robot does it with the images that that all the MRIs and CAT scans and x-rays will do. So lots of new things going on. So I want to talk about some of these things that I've been listening to and um, being interested in. I read this article that really was thrilling to me. I know that you're like I am. You turn on the television to watch the news, you read the newspaper, you, you listen to your podcasts from CNN and NPR and all those places. A lot of hard things going on. But this guy had taken time to talk about five different, two, four, six different areas of the world that have good news the first was world peace uh, the violence in the world is less we are more we are less likely now to be a victim of violence in most parts of the world than we have ever been there has been uh less war in modern history, the Harvard researcher Stephen Pinker statistically says we have never been less likely to be a victim of violence in most parts of the world. I love that. I love that encouragement to step out there. Does that mean it's peaceful? Everywhere peace that there are no wars and no turmoil, no, but less likely, less likely, and I and that's progress um, diseases that have been eradicated, modern technology, I talk about my robotic surgery, um, modern technology, and billions of dollars of humanitarian investments. And have brought about an eradication of infectious diseases. In fact, the use of life saving vaccines has never been more widely global than it is now. In 2015, in 2015, that's just two years ago, 86% of infants worldwide received vaccines. Now, that is a powerful number. And you know what triggered my thinking about that is, was I one of those humanitarian people? Was I one of those Christocentric people who said, I will write a check, I will go, I will buy, I will do? I don't know, maybe you'll be one of those people. My husband is a lawyer, retired lawyer, And this was over the broad subject of justice reform. And he said that recent stats show that for the first time since 1981, the amount of people incarcerated in the United States has fallen significantly. Fallen significantly. In addition, the number of prisoners executed in 2016, that was last year, is at a 20-year low. Now we see a lot of crime and we see a lot of terrible things, but when you see this numbers in print and people who are doing this kind of research, this is good news and I'm, I'm offering good news to you Two more three more three more subjects. one was clean water. Today, more than 90 percent of the global population has access to clean water. Currently, five hundred and twenty five thousand thousand children die each year from diarrhea caused by drinking dirty water. So we haven't we haven't eradicated yet, but we have moved the numbers so high, and there's so many ministries who are involved in bringing clean clean water around the world. And maybe one of them is in your church. Maybe you want to be a part of this number, changing this number. And here's one Bible Access. Oh, you Wycliffe your Wycliffers, Cliffers, oh, thank you for all the work you have done. Thanks to the efforts of organizations like the Wycliffe. The Bible has been translated into 3,200 different languages. That is an all-time high. In the late 50s, the global literacy rate was about 70%. So this is 2017. So 50, 65 years ago, it was 70%, and now it is 86%. And the U version, you know, the Bible app that most of us have on our phones, if we have smartphones, is now equipped with more than 1,500 versions. In more than a thousand languages. My husband was in Africa and, um, he was with a tribe of people and in their colorful garbs and living in a village in Africa. And he said this picture is in his mind. He did not take a picture of it with his camera or his phone, but this picture in his mind of the chief in this beautiful headdress walking up the road and pausing and reaching down inside of his costume and, um, Hold out a cell phone. And he said that picture of marrying together, you know, centuries of tribal life in tribal communities and tribal costumes was offset by this modern thing called a telephone. And listen, we're going to talk about technology this month and how it's affecting us and how we need to take serious looks at our lifestyles. But I want you to know that that technology. Is amazingly important. 1,500 versions in more than a 1,000 languages. I want to get cell phones out. Everywhere we can get cell phones out. And then the last thing was infant mortality. And this information indicated that between 1990 and 2013, infant mortality fell by 49%. And today, 17,000 fewer children die every day than they did in 1990. So we're doing well. These are good news reports. The thing I want to encourage you to do is keep staying with it. Keep staying with it. I read this article about Mark Zuckerman who wants to make Facebook be more like a church. And I I don't know what you think about that, but I'm going to throw it at you because I was surprised that he would use the example of a church. But he said, people who go to church are more likely to volunteer, to give to charities, not just because they're religious, because but because they're part of a community. So he wants Facebook to be more like a church. You know, I smiled at that, and I thought, well, that's good. The church has, gets a bad rap often. But here's Mark Zuckerman, facebook king and he's saying he'd like to make his industry billion dollar industry more like a church so think about it what's your community life like what's your church life like Um, are you living in such a way that people look at you and say i want to incorporate that into my world into my business into my community I'm not much of a football person. My husband so wishes I were. And occasionally I actually do come up with something that he is stunned about, just stunned about. So I like college football much more than I like pro football. I have chosen a team in my life because my husband has so many teams. Every place he's lived in, he takes that team to be his very own, which means we have to watch those games too. And I do sit and watch football with my husband. I do. But let me tell you, for years I didn't. I thought it was a waste of good time, blah, 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 blah. Anybody listening out there? Have you ever thought the same thing? I do a lot of knitting, I'll tell you that. But I've come to recognize a few things. So first of all, women, if you don't like football and your husband does, watch the last 10 minutes of the show and watch it intently because who wins, what the last play's, Whatever the commentator is saying is pretty much about the whole game, and you can learn a lot of football language. But there's a guy who's a part of the Oakland Raiders. He's a quarterback. His name is Derek Carr, and over the next years, this twenty next five years, this twenty-six-year-old man will be making a hundred and twenty-five million dollars, and he is delighted to make that much money because he he said. The exciting thing for me, money-wise, honestly, is that this money is going to help a lot of people. He is very interested in his major passion is the mission work in Haiti. And I thought, okay, girls, football. Some of these football players are looking at life beyond football. You want to know how much time millennials spend on their telephones? Haven't you heard a lot about millennials? I guess they're talking about millennials as much as they talked about baby boomers, and that's because they're the next biggest generation. But millennials spend on their phone, as according to a recent report of American millennials, and it was a dramatic number but not exactly surprising, half of all millennials spend at least three hours a day on their phone. But that's not the craziest part. You ready for this? One out of every four millennials spends at least five hours a day staring at their phone. And I read someplace else and I didn't write it down. I think it was a newspaper article out of the Wall Street Journal that millennials go to bed every night with their telephones. Not just by their bedside, but a lot of millennials are sleeping with their phones. So do not that's not a quote because I don't have the statistics for it, but... Sleeping with your phone, oh my, the world is changing. I've had this notion, and I read an article this summer about the 500-year Reformation celebration that's coming up. 500 years ago, a Catholic monk whose name was Martin Luther decided to take action that would dramatically change the history of the church. Now, he was angry about something that was wrong in the church, and the rise of Protestantism and the theological breakaway from the Catholic Church was bloody. Don't anybody think that you came to Protestantism at not standing on the shoulders of someone who died for it, literally died for it, killed for it? But I love the fact that 500 years later, that's... 500 years later, we are seeing much more unity in what is division among the people of God. Roman Catholics and Episcopalians and Lutherans and Pentecostals. Last year, in a revolutionary move, the Pope visited the Lutheran World federation to recognize their common journey of reconciliation. Wow. 500 years ago, it was a bloodbath. 500 years ago, this coming October, a bloodbath. People were being killed over the change that they were trying to make and saying, we don't want to do our life with God to make it look like that. And now we see that we're more willing to accept and to listen to and take into our hearts um, pieces of the Reformation, pieces of unifying ourselves with (coughs) other churches and other denominations who think differently than we do. I have a pile more things I want to tell you, but my time is mostly up. I want to end with this one, though. Whole Foods was just bought out by Amazon. Watch out. If you love sprouts, you better shop there more because we have no idea what it's going to look like. But I'll tell you this. I heard on the radio, I read in a magazine and a a newspaper, both at Whole Foods paid $13.7 billion for Whole Foods, but they reduced their granola the second day. (laughs) There were five items that they reduced the price of the day after the purchase The Whole Foods is still here, and uh, watch out for its changes. We are modern homemakers, and I want you to know that we do these shows to encourage you. Thank you for your kind words. Email us. You can find our email address on our website. Go to our website. Lots of things going on on the website. I understand that the Choices Matter uh, series, which has only been available in DVD format, is now available online. So you can go and get what is the heart of Homemakers, what has been the heart of Homemakers for 30 years. You can get all of the lessons. They're iconic, taught by myself. On all of the subjects, there are 24 one-hour classes with study guides. And I think you can buy... Um, one set for twenty-five dollars. I'm not really sure, but it's all available and newly repackaged for our website. I will tell you that that material is very important to me. When the Lord allowed us to begin, um, homemakers was formerly homemakers by choice. Now modern homemakers, we decided that what we were going to do was spend our lifetime encouraging women to be women of faith, to be wives, to be mothers and to be homemakers. All of the four things that Paul told Timothy and Titus that they needed to encourage in their congregations. And we've been encouraging women to do this. Be a woman of faith. You're already a woman. Be a woman of faith. If you're married, be a wife who puts her husband first, If you're a mom, make sure that you are training your children in the way they should go. And if you're a homemaker, and you're a homemaker whether you call yourself that or not, if you live somewhere you are making a home, it's an apartment, it's a one room, it's a huge house, make that home a place where you can teach the ways to your children that you can welcome people into your home and show them the love of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. Remember the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of being eclectic.